Presuming competence is such an important aspect of raising and educating a person with Down syndrome. Welcome to the Downright Capable podcast. Today, my co-host Brian Herndon and I, Marlon Morasco, are going to talk to you about how important it is to the success of our children when we presume competence instead of presuming incompetence. That's right, Marla. Um, This topic uh, really gets me fired up. I know that people with Down syndrome are not a monolith. There's great diversity within the Down syndrome community, just like every other community. And I think though that when we presume competence, we honor the dignity and the humanity that is central to who our children are. Um, I recently got to spend a few hours with Julie Costin and Christy Pretty Fransek. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I'm currently teaching, a, well, helping teach a class uh, for uh, educators around the state of Arkansas to get their um, special education endorsement. And we invited Julie and Christy to be part of that. And they spent a couple hours with us talking about inclusion and what that looks like, things like that. They're both very well-respected researchers and authors in their field, and um, they advocate for the full inclusion of people with disabilities. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that Julie wrote an article about this very topic. Um, You can go to her uh, website. Uh, Maybe we can put it in the show notes. I I think it's inclusiveschooling.com. Yeah, we can put that in the show notes, right? Yeah. Um, In that article, she defines presuming competence as the term Uh, or she says, uh, the term presumed competence operates similarly as the presumption of innocence in a legal trial when the onus is on the prosecutor to prove guilt. Presuming competence means you believe that the student in question has potential to develop their thinking, learning, and their understanding. Judgments about students' competence affect every decision about educational placement, programs, communication systems, adjustments to the curriculum, social activities, and the future. And I thought this was interesting. She also points out that presuming competence is embedded in the Article 12 of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which recognizes that people or that the right of people with disabilities uh, should be able to enjoy legal capacity on an equal basis with others in all aspects of life. And so when I think about that, I just think, wow, there is such power in, in presuming competence rather than incompetence, like you said. And I think that when we don't have the attitude that presumes competence, we actually are denying the humanity within the person. What are your thoughts on that, Marla? Yeah, no, um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Brian and, and, and Julie Costin. I don't know the other um, person, but Julie Costin, I know her very well. We had her on our show back in the day. So she is uh, well respected in, in the uh, inclusive education arena. So yeah, that. And and Christy's, Christy's focus is a little bit more um, on the early childhood aspect. Okay. I I hadn't met her. I I did a a course with them, their inclusive ed course um, two summers ago. And so I got to meet her on that. Um, But I didn't know her before that. So she's kind of new to me as well. I like that you're bringing these powerful um, educators and advocates into your classroom for the future educators that are coming up. Absolutely. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, as parents and advocates and as members of the IEP team, you know, we have to present a mindset that there is a human being attached to that IEP, right? Um, Expectations matter. And teachers need to set appropriate learning goals and expect these children to grow and learn with appropriate supports if needed, and that they can have meaningful relationships. You know, if a teacher tells you that your child can't do a certain thing or a task, you know, ask them for the evidence, 
and the data that substantiates that claim. You know, I, I read this quote and I wanted to share this uh, with you, Brian, because I think this actually goes to exactly what we're speaking. Um, it is critical for educators to recognize that a student's difficulties with conveying knowledge or demonstrating skills should not be interpreted as an inability to do so. I mean, I thought that was that's pretty really, powerful, right? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the educators need to find different strategies or methods to better understand, you know, what a student truly knows. You know, for many students with disabilities, even especially those with most significant disabilities, opportunities come first and competence follows. Do you agree, Brian? Absolutely. Um, and I, I love I love that quote uh, that when we when we think that maybe someone has difficulty with something, I don't think we should um, assume that um, that they don't have the ability to do so. Perhaps they don't have the right supports in place. Perhaps they don't have the right um, you know, background or experience. And I think that when we provide that scaffolding, um, you know, like you said, you know, putting the supports in place, um, then we're going to see our kiddos really flourish. And I think that to your point, Marla, I think that when we talk about that in the IEP meeting, that that can, that can go a long way in making sure that happens in the classroom. Yeah. I think that actually goes to even UDL. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. giving- it does giving the child the ability to show and share what he or she knows, however she's able or he is able to do that, you know, just because they yeah. can't do it the way you've taught them or have asked them doesn't mean that they don't, mm -hmm. they don't know the content or they don't know the answer. Right. Absolutely. And UDL, I, I teach several special education uh, courses at the university that I work at. And I always talk to, so for those of you who may not know, UDL is universal design um, uh, learning. And so one of the things I, I communicate to my students is that, you know, if you think about a highway and the highway is the curriculum that you're teaching and you're going down that highway, um, we need on-ramps for people to be able to join us. And, and maybe some of those on-ramps are steep and may, maybe some of them are, are, are long and less steep, but we need to make sure that we have on-ramps so that everyone has an opportunity to enjoy the curriculum that's being taught. So that's, that's a perfect example right there, Marla. Um, Julie, one of the things that Julie talks about as well, she talks about something called the least dangerous assumption. And I know back in the day when we had our Facebook show, uh, we've talked about this as well, but I think it's such a critical idea to consider when it comes to working with people who have Down syndrome and really any disability for that matter. When we consider the least dangerous assumption, we're actually considering all of the possible situations that we know, and then we choose to engage with one that will do the least amount of harm or danger, et cetera, to the person for whom that decision is being made. We want to, as much as possible, ensure that the dignity, humanity, autonomy, and individuality of the person is maintained in whatever decision that has to be made. Um, and I think back to your comment about IEPs, Marla, I think a lot of times, you know, we get focused on those reading, writing, and, and math goals. And, and I think sometimes we, we short side ourselves because we're thinking, oh, this is a person with Down syndrome. They can't do X, Y, or Z. I think sometimes those decisions exactly. are not maintaining the dignity, humanity, autonomy, and individual, the individuality of the person. So um, I think sometimes those, uh, we're, we're not considering the least dangerous assumption there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, can you think of Marla, can you think of any times where maybe your family or Jacob's school or other organization has presumed competence for Jacob 
and gone with that least dangerous assumption in regard to Jacob and how did that turn out? Yeah, I actually have a perfect example and it just recently happened. Well, it's 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 been happening, I, I'm gonna say, but this is this actually is a perfect example because it just happened last night. So um, I think all of you know at this point that my son is the volleyball manager for the girls volleyball team. And, um, you know, when my son's teacher presumed competence when it came to my son managing the scoreboard at volleyball games, you know, he created it. He could have actually gone down the road of assuming that Jacob couldn't do it right. Couldn't couldn't keep score and manage it because Jacob does struggle with number sequencing. And, you know, he could have just had Jacob sit on the bench. Right. You know, right. but instead he presumed confidence, uh, confidence, confidence in Jacob and decided, you know, I'm going to create a PowerPoint presentation for him. He took a picture of the scoreboard. He put that in the PowerPoint presentation and then showed Jacob in this PowerPoint presentation how to add the numbers on the scoreboard to the correct team. And he taught him how to watch the referee, you know, so he knows what what point to add to the correct team. And, you know, he did actually put a teammate next to Jacob so that, you know, if Jacob needed help, there was someone there to support him. And, you know, there were times that he needed the help, of course. But, you know, with the visual that the coach created and the practice, he was actually able to score the game last night all by himself, you know. And that's wonderful. And, I was going to say that's wonderful that, that that's exactly what we just talked about, exactly. providing those scaffolds, those supports, like we're going to let him do it. But, you know, we've, we've got some safety nets here just in case. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I love that's, that. that's the whole point. He could have gone down the road that, oh, you know, I'm just kind of having him here as, you know, just feeling a part of something. But he actually took the time to create this presentation, gave it to us as parents to kind of just re, you know, review it before Jacob um, went to the game. And actually, it's funny because Jacob asked, asked me for it last night. He's like, Mom, where's that note? And I was like, what, I love note? It. what note are we talking about? He goes, you know, the note for the scoreboard. I go, oh, the PowerPoint presentation. And he goes, yes, yeah. I want my note. But, you know, again, it's just, it, it goes to show you that, you know, because the, the teacher took the time to presume confidence, the least dangerous assumption, you know, he was actually able to feel a member of that team, you know, and yeah. he was, and he's being respected by the girls on the team. So, I think that that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Absolutely. I, I, you know, um, is there an experience that you could share uh, with Nate? Absolutely. And, and I'm so glad, like you said, you know, Jacob would never have had that opportunity if they didn't presume the confidence there. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, so my, my story, this is kind of funny. So, um, and I think it, it's, it's maybe a little bit of a call out for my own self because I think sometimes I don't presume confidence. Same, I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm human. <laughs> we're I, parents. I, we're parents. You I know. know. I know. I know. So he was in. So, I mean, he's a seventh grader now. So this was a while back. But I want to say he was in third grade. And they had been working on poetry. And um, the third grade team was, I, there's three classes that, that kind of work together as a team. And they were going to have a poetry slam. And, um, and every student had a chance to get up and read their poem. And of course, everyone claps and, and whatever else. And they had been practicing with Nate 
so I think I think this is a time where they had presumed competence and I was not so <laughs> confident in the competence. We've all been there. <laughs> I know, I know. And so and, and it's funny because as we're talking to our son, because he was he went through this period where he liked to shake his rear end um publicly. I mean he kept his clothes on, of course, but like he would shake his rear end because he liked, you know, the he liked the attention, he liked the laughs and the giggles. And of course, he's in front of 110 third graders or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's, it's not going to go well. And, and does he remember his poem? Because this was a poem he actually created. And it was a poem he had to have memorized. So I was very nervous about all this. And so he gets up to do his poem. He did not miss a beat, Marla. He got up there and said his poem and... Everyone clapped and cheered. And I think I think it had something to do with The Greatest Showman, if I remember correctly, because I think that was kind of popular at the time and, and he still loves that music. And um, we had told him not to shake his rear during the reading. Well, he's a very literal kid and he did laugh. not shake it during the reading. Right, right. But after he did, right? <laughs> uh, exactly, you knew exactly where I was going. After the reading, he takes his bow, which was so sweet. And then as he's walking off stage, he turns and starts shaking his rear. It was the funniest thing ever. And when we talked to him, he goes, but I didn't do it during the reading. Of course, Zach. You're on. right. You did not. You did not. But I just, I love that story so much about him because one, I, I didn't have the confidence in him that he could one, memorize a poem, yeah. um, create a poem, memorize a poem and perform it in front of his peers and not get nervous and stay trite and freeze up. And you know what? Um, his third grade team was absolutely amazing. And they, they really pushed him. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, and they pushed him to do things that I didn't know he was capable of. And that, and that was really impressive to me. And so I think that's something that, you know, I always try to talk with our son's IEP team as well, that, you know, I want to let's start out with less support and provide more support when he tells us he needs it. Um, I know that's happened with, you know, when he, um, like, uh, I drop him off at school and he walks into the school by himself. He does yeah. not need someone to be there. Yeah. Um, when he is dismissed at the end of the day this year, they had someone standing out there with him. And I was like, he doesn't need this. Let, right. you know, let's back that off, you know, right. until he tells us he needs it, let's back stuff off. And so, so it's been really good. Um, both challenging for me as his dad. And I know Jenny is his mom. Um, but also um, challenging for his team at school. Um, but I think it's a, it's a good posture to have to, to presume that competence so that um, he has a chance to shine and, and be who, he's, who, who, who he is. So well, he has to grow, right? Individually, he has Absolutely. to grow. And he has to grow Absolutely. And, and, and be independent and you know, prove, prove you guys wrong. Right. Absolutely. They do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny you say that because that's, I mean, I don't want to go into our whole story here, but, but that's who he's been his entire life is proving <laughs> quote, the experts wrong, you know, and, and we love that about him. And so it's, it's nice when he proves mom and dad wrong as well. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so well, those were some wonderful stories, but uh, let's, let's talk about the opposite. And I don't want to dwell too much on the negative, but you know, has there been a time maybe in your family or where your family or Jacob's school did not presume competence and it didn't go so well for Jacob. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know I just talked about this in the last episode and it's just because there are things that are just very uh, 
like right in my mind right now that I'm thinking about. And it's just, you know, when he, again, first started the managing of, of whatever basketball and now it's volleyball, um, that was way back in sixth grade, right? And it was for the boys basketball team. Um, but because they didn't think Jacob could behave appropriately, they had a power professional there to oversee his behaviors, as they would say. Well, let's be honest, Brian, all kids, typical or not, have behaviors. Right. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. so if we had to put a power professional for every child that had a behavior, I mean, I don't know, there, there would be a lot of paraprofessionals everywhere, especially nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but by putting that power with Jacob, it basically emphasized his behaviors, right? He's like, okay, right. well, this person's here. <laughs> She's here because I behave, you know, inappropriately. They know that, yep. right? So, yep. hey, let's just behave inappropriately, right? Or do things mm -hmm. that upset people because, hey, this person's going to here to correct me. That's what she's here for. They, they, they know that kind of stuff, you know, but right. what it, it what, what also happened was that it didn't allow the athletes to engage him, you know, to engage him socially or get him involved in um, anything that really pertained to the basketball and being the manager. So mm -hmm. they did not presume competence in him, right? They did not believe that he could be um, an active member of that team and so it was detrimental, right? It was detrimental to yeah. self-esteem. It didn't look right yep. with all of the other kids. They were like, oh, what's wrong with that kid? You know, just from a social mm -hmm. socialization perspective, it just, it, it was not a good fit. Um, right. And so then we changed that immediately the next year. We were like, no, no, thank you. We did not want to um, have anybody there to support him. Let's presume competence in him. If he needs to be corrected, there's enough people in the room that can support yep. him. Right. Yep. You know, so exactly what happened was he actually excelled. He, he, he actually showed everybody, Hey, I can do this. I can, I can manage my behaviors. I can act appropriately with my friends, with my buddies. And it, it started to create that socialization that all of our kids need, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there's people that are going to be there to kind of course correct. Right. Sure. But they course corrected with all of the kids. <laughs> Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. So we, we just, we changed that model and said that was not right. That was not a good for him, fit for him. And, and we presumed confidence and, and he excelled as we just got done saying with Nate, you know? So, yeah. um, but what, what situation has happened with Nate that I guess was detrimental to him and, and, and how he proved us wrong? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, it's interesting because I think honestly, and, and, and you kind of alluded to this as well, but I think sometimes Nate's behavior is a result of having too much support. Um, totally we had, so, yeah, we had someone from the, it used to be the Kansas City Down Syndrome Guild, but I think they're now Down Syndrome Innovations. But we had someone from the Kansas City Down Syndrome Guild come up and observe um, our son for, for a day in the town that we lived in. And she really kind of keyed into the fact that Nate's an autonomous learner. He wants to do things on his own. He wants to be independent. Um, and he's been that way pretty much most of his life. And I think sometimes when we, you know, I, I would never advocate for not having a paraprofessional for my son because he does need help. He does, you know, sure. things are hard for him at times. Yeah, but I think though that sometimes um, in the classroom, he is there is this, um, this dynamic that happens where, where sometimes with paraprofessionals, there's something called learned helplessness exactly. and you have too much support. And so someone becomes over-reliant on that support. And 
when you have someone that's an autonomous learner, someone who wants to be independent and do things on their own, when that support is there and then it's not welcomed, I think sometimes Nate tends to uh, to act out as a form of communication sure. saying, I want to do it on my own. Right. He's not using his words to do that, unfortunately. Um, and, and so then, you know, they, they end up in a power struggle yep. or there ends up being some behavior issues that, that need to be corrected at that point, which obviously, I mean, he needs to be safe and he needs to use his words. He's capable of using his words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we don't, um, <clears throat> when we have those supports, um, there for Nate and they are too much for him. I think that, that we find that he is, um, he struggles more with his behavior. And it's interesting because I think it's hard. Um, I mean, it's hard to find that balance because sometimes things really are hard and he needs the help, but sometimes, you know what, just, just let him give it a try and we'll see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, he messes up and has to redo it or we it doesn't look the same as everyone else. We all learn from our mistakes, right? I mean, you know, Absolutely. we all have to learn from them. So, you know, give yeah. him the time to figure it out. Yeah. I was actually just at a school today and they have a sign up that says mistakes show that you are trying or something like that. And I, I really like that quote. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that's important. I think that's, uh, you know, important to, to think about when we're thinking about, you know, planning education for our kiddos, uh, when we're thinking about, you know, extracurricular activities that our kiddos will be a part of. Um, I know your son's, you know, involved in, in sports, you know, and in, in different, in different ways. And my son is as well um, outside of school. And so um, I think that when we, you know, when we find that nice balance of that just right support, but the not too right. much support, then our kiddos can really, really begin to thrive and, and, and be who, who they are supposed to be. Well, I, I also think, you know, Brian, it, you know, we, we talk a lot about support, but I also think that sometimes, um, and I'll give you, uh, I'll share with you the story. I don't, I, sometimes I don't think they always need the support like we talked about, but the mm-hmm. teacher has to have the understanding of that child. So yep. for instance, if, if your child is in, um, you know, in, it's going into a general education classroom, right? For science, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Well, that teacher mm-hmm. needs to know certain things about the child. They don't like this. They don't like that. So that they can make that a successful environment. You know, they Absolutely. don't need the support all the time. They just need to know about the child. And that's why I, when right. I went back to, to the beginning of what we talked about is that understand that there is a, there is a human being behind this IEP. Absolutely. You know, and they don't yeah. always need the support. You just need to understand yeah. that child better. You know, take yeah. the time to get to know them, their quirks, mm-hmm. the, their likes, their dislikes, you know, because that is yeah. what's going to make the the whole environment in the classroom, outside the classroom successful. You Absolutely. Know? And if it, you're just going to assume, oh, here's, here's a kid with an IEP. I don't have yeah. to do anything. I'm going to let the power <laughs> professional do something. Wrong. It's not going to work. It's not going to no. work. <laughs> no, no, wrong, 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 wrong. Um, and I'm glad you said that because when Julie and Christy were speaking in my class um, this past Saturday, they, so they, their, their topic was inclusion and, and, and they're, they're big inclusion advocates. There's 50 years of research to support, you know, the, the, their, their work. 
but they started off and I thought this was so interesting, but it's so valuable. They started off the entire class with talking about relationships. And they, and, and, and I, I say this in my classes as well, as I, as I tell my students, you have to know your students. You have to. And, and to your point, Marla, if our, kiddo, if, if, if our children's teachers don't know them very well, then they're not going to be able, one, to presume confidence or, or know where to presume confidence. They're not going to be able to provide those just right supports. They're going to push it off to the paraprofessional mm-hmm. and, and really, and truly it's not going to be beneficial to our, to our children. Right. And, um, and I, I think that there's a lot to be said, um, in, in spending time to get to know your students. And I know that's hard. I, I've taught elementary my whole life. And so I've always had the same 20 or 25 kiddos. I've not taught secondary where you have 125 kiddos. You know, I, I get that it's harder to really know your kids when you're teaching 10th grade science, you know, um, but I think especially those kiddos who maybe have higher needs or something like that, spending the time to get to know them goes a long way. Well, and to, to bounce off that, so this just happened. Um, I, I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about it, but I know uh-huh. we've talked about, you know, Jacob has an interest in helping people, right, from that uh you know, the physical therapy perspective. I know we talked about this um, in the past, even maybe on that last episode that, you know, he has taken an interest in, in, in that therapy session and how he can help people. And so um, I brought that up to his teacher and um, he actually reached out to the, uh, I don't know what high school trainer it's not the coach, but it's like the trainer in the high Mm -hmm. school. And, and, you know, just let, let her know, Hey, there's a student here that has an interest in, in being involved in the therapy sessions with the athletes. This, this lady's tickled pink. She's like, Oh my gosh, I know him. I would love to have him fill out an application. Mm -hmm. Let's chat to the other teacher going to the point of let's talk about Jacob. What can he do? What does he struggle with? You know, so that I can make this experience a successful one, not only for him, but for the athlete who's obviously going through the training, you know, and, and just taking that time to say, yeah, let's look at this. Let's presume confidence. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, assume what is it? Le- uh, uh, I don't even know. Least dangerous assumption. Thank you. I've always had a problem yep. with that. But, <laughs> but, you know, instead of, she could have just very well said, no, thanks. No, <laughs> no, thank you. Right. You know, that Absolutely. kind of thing, but didn't. Now, yeah. what is it going to be? I don't know. We haven't figured it out yet, but she didn't sure. say no. She didn't say no. So I love that. That was so encouraging to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love that she's willing to, to look at it and see, you know, what, what, what could we do to make this uh, an interesting and successful opportunity for Jacob? Yeah. And then it goes that. That's to, fantastic. to, you know, we could start creating goals around it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So there's, there's hope here and, it, and it, it just excites me. And I think that when people actually know the child and their interests, they're mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, okay, let's, you know, like I said, I mean, yeah, the coach could have just said, yeah, Jacob, just go sit on the bench. You know, you could be like our little, be part you could be like our mascot, you know, kind of thing. Right. This yeah. kid is out there working the scoreboard, <laughs> cleaning up, you know, I mean, yeah. he is literally an active member. And quite honestly, the coach 
is so thankful that he's there because he's a, he's you know, a necessary member of the team. He is, but I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, No, but when it does happen, it's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think to your point that when we have those come and your son's a little older than mine, I, I, isn't Jacob 15? Yeah. Yes. So you yeah. guys are probably starting the transition talk, you know, things like that, looking at interests. What do we want to do? Yeah. You know, post high school and, and engaging those interests and knowing those things. And, and this, this athletic trainer, you know, in your school district, that could be a, I mean, he's expressed interest in that kind of a thing. That's a great thing to talk about as part of the IEP and, and how can we foster those kind of relationships even within the school system because those those opportunities do exist in the school system. Yeah. So I, I love yeah. that, that that is a conversation that's that's starting to happen for, for your family. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, folks, I think we're about out of time. So um, if you like what you hear, please make sure to give us a review download the episodes as this helps get our podcast out to the world. As you know, Marla and I are volunteering our time to help educate those who listen, and we very much appreciate your support. We love it when you uh, click like. We love it when you give us a rating. Uh, we love it when you share our podcast. It would also be wonderful if you want to make a small donation to help us be able to keep doing the work that we're doing. Um, we think it's important to, as we've talked about before, flip the script on how uh, society views people with Down syndrome and our desire is to make uh, a more inclusive society. So um, I think Marla, there'll be a link in the show notes. If you, uh, if you wanna donate, that would be wonderful. Uh, and folks, we, we truly appreciate your support in this endeavor. Yeah, yeah. Um, we like what we're doing, but you know, we also we need to keep, keep the lights on too, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So any, any support is, is very much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Thank you.